Hey everybody, this is Matt with another Overflow podcast. We are in our series on Daniel and looking at the tests he went through and how to become unshakable no matter what you go through. And we're on Daniel's third test this morning. His third test was about how to persevere in his beliefs through a pagan education system. You see, most of us will not go through a Christian education, but rather a public one filled with biases against God and sadly, mockery and ridicule for believing in God's word. So how do you pass the test of education in your life? Well, we're going to look at that. We're going to look at how to excel in your education no matter what, when your beliefs are belittled. So we're going to look at four ways to do this. Four very practical ways. Number one, in order to pass the test of education in your life, first thing you got to do is decide in advance to stand for God. The time to choose your loyalty is before the test happens, before you go back to school, before you go back to work. Make the decision, no matter what you're going to face or encounter, you know what? I'm going to stand for God. Because Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. Not that you might, you will. So count on it. It's a guarantee. You shouldn't be surprised that your faith is going to be tested at school or your faith is going to be tested at work or anywhere else. 2 Timothy 3.12 says everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. You need to be prepared for that test. In school, during your education, you're going to have lots of tests. You got geography, sociology tests, math tests, English tests, on and on and on. But the most important test you'll ever take during your education is the test of your faith. And the truth is, when Christian students go to school and they're faced with these harassments, you've really got three choices. Number one, you can take a dive. Number two, you can withdraw to survive like a turtle. Or number three, you can determine to thrive. Those are your three options you have as a student. It can also happen at your job. You can take a dive and just forget about it. I'm just forgetting about Jesus. I'm forgetting about my commitment to love him. I Even though I asked him to forgive me of my sins, I'm just forgetting all that. I'm not going to try to defend it. I'm just going to walk away. Some people do that. You take a dive or you can withdraw to survive. That's where you pull back and you compartmentalize your life. And you say, you know what? This part of my life has nothing to do with God. And so I'm going to live as a pagan or live as someone who has nothing to do with God in this job or in this education. Or third, you can determine to thrive, which is what Daniel did and his three friends did. They excelled at their education because they were prepared. They didn't let phony ideas blow them away. It's kind of like eating fish. You eat the meat and throw away the bones. It's just like in education. You can't eat the whole fish. You got to throw out the bad parts. That's the legitimate way that can help. That's, you know, the rest, you just throw it away like it's trash. Remember that biblical classical literature class I talked about in the last pod? I pretty much threw away everything the teacher said, but the books we read and the articles we read were filled with good material. And I learned a lot from it. I just didn't trust anything the teacher said because he lied half the time. So it was hard to determine what he made up or what was corroborated with other sources. Daniel 1.8 says, Daniel made up his mind, in other words, he resolved himself, not to defile himself. So the starting point for you as a student or any area of your life is to make a commitment and say, I'm going to protect my mind. I'm going to protect my body. I'm going to protect my heart while I'm trying to do the best I can at this education, this job, whatever. So you set and decide boundaries. So 
how do you become a great student? Proverbs 1, 7 says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. You start with God. He's the foundation of all truth. He's the source of all knowledge and wisdom. I've been to school a lot of my life. When you add it up, two years of preschool, 12 years in primary school and high school, four years for a bachelor degree and three years for a master's degree. That's 21 years. That is a really long time. One day you're going to stand before God at the end of your life. That's the final exam. And that's far more important than any exam your teacher gives you. And at the final exam, God isn't going to say, how did you do in your social studies? Or what philosophy did you best you know, acknowledge or believe in? Or what was your theory of government? <laughs> Let me see your penmanship. <laughs> that's a good question. Not, he's not going to ask. Some of us, you know, never did learn to write. <laughs> Number two, never stop learning. So first you decide beforehand to stand for God. And second, never stop learning. And the reason for that is all leaders are learners. Once you stop learning, you know what you're doing? You're dying. Those of you who are adults and those of you who are students, what's the new skill you're going to learn this next year? And if you're not learning, you're dying. What's the new school that you say, you know what? I want to intentionally want to learn about this. You ought to know that. You ought to be intentional about this, never stopping learning. The skill I'm trying to learn is actually living without regret. Regrets. You know, the past 10 years of my life have been filled with a lot of pain, health with my heart, AFib attacks. I've had abdominal pain, lots of nights with no sleep, back pain. And each day I, I want to try to live my best life without regrets to serve God and love my family and to be them for them whenever I can. Because I went through the motions during these past 10 years for so many because I was dealing with pain and I just kind of tried to deal with the pain. But at the same time, I didn't really do anything else. Just tried to manage the pain. And when you're in pain, that's all you can think about. But never stop learning. Proverbs 18, 15 says, wise men and women are always learning always listening for fresh insights. Notice the connection between listening and learning. Read that verse again. Wise men and women are always learning, always listening for fresh insights. You're never learning when you're talking. You learn when you're listening. Right now, I'm not learning anything because I'm talking to you in this podcast. I learned as I prepared for this, but I'm not learning anything right now while I'm talking. And if you're listening, you may be learning something. So if that's true, you're not learning unless you're listening. One of the most important things you need to learn is the skill of listening. There are books on it. There's courses on it. You can learn to become a better listener. If you're a parent, one of the best things you can do with your children, your students, is teach them the skill of listening. Because the better listener you are, the better learner you will be. And the more I listen to my kids, the better parent I become. The more I listen to my wife, the better husband I become. And some of us don't know how to listen well, but the most skilled listeners are the best learners. I cannot emphasize this enough, especially about the part about being a better father. Because you know what? My kids tell me. My kids tell me what works and what doesn't if I listen. They don't just come out and say, dad, if you want to be a better dad, this is what you need to do. No, they couch it in various ways and it's hidden and you have to really listen for it. And I learned that 
parent kids compare their parents. That's a terrible thing. And I hear about what other parents do. And I realize, you know what? This is something that my daughter or my son does not want me to do to them. And that's their subtle way of telling me, don't be like so-and-so's parents. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> I got it. I'm not going to yell. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do this more. If you want to be a better husband, a better parent, listen. I cannot I cannot even emphasize or share that enough. You get nothing else, listen more, period. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I love that King James Version. Sometimes I'll talk to some adults, and within 15 minutes, I realize they haven't cracked a book since they graduated high school. And you know what? It shows. When they finished school, they thought, thank God I never have to read a book again. You know what? You stop learning. Proverbs 19.8 says, the one who gets wisdom loves life. The one who cherishes understanding will soon prosper. You're actually doing yourself a favor the more you learn. You want to exceed in life? Learn. I remember my first job right out of college. And I was able to, after I was two months in the job, I was able to take classes and learn about my, not really my job, but future jobs that I wanted to take. So I took Excel. I took word classes. I took how to communicate. I took classes on diversity as often as I could. And I did it for a couple of reasons. One, because it was paid. That means they paid me to drive to the seminar. They paid me to drive home from the seminar and they paid me during the seminar and the seminar had breaks and I didn't have to answer the phone. I didn't, second thing, I didn't have to go into work. <laughs> the real reason I should have done this is because it would help me and benefit me and increase my knowledge as a person for my next job. But I didn't really do it for that reason. I did it for other reasons. I didn't realize how much it would help me in life. It's important to know the difference between wisdom and knowledge. They're both important. They're both essential to success, but they're very different. And if you're going to succeed in life, you need to get knowledge and you need to get wisdom, but they're not the same. See, knowledge is information that you gain from education or experience. From education or experience, you learn more information. You know more. The more you know, the more background you've got to accomplish the task and solve the problems and things like that in your life. Knowledge is like information. It's like you're increasing your Google brain, if you will. You know how if we want to know something, we just Google it, you know. And once you do that, you know it in your brain. But Google doesn't give wisdom. You see, wisdom is seeing and responding from God's viewpoint. Some people have a lot of knowledge. They have so much knowledge, but they're not wise. And that's why their relationships fall apart. You could have multiple PhD degrees and go through multiple divorces and go bankrupt because you're not wise. You have knowledge, but you don't have wisdom. Knowledge comes from your education. Wisdom comes from God. So a lot of people go and they get a high school degree and maybe even a college degree and maybe even a postgraduate degree, maybe even a doctor degree. And yet they're still asking questions like, who am I? Where do I come from? Where am I headed? What is the meaning of my life? Is there any significance to me? Does my life matter? What's my purpose? What's my meaning? Because those questions aren't solved by knowledge. The most fundamental, the deepest questions of your life are solved by wisdom. 
not by knowledge, and they only come from God. Third, after you never stop learning and you prioritize God in your life, three, you steep yourself in God's word. You know what the word steep means? S-T-E-E-P? It's like you steep a tea bag. And when you steep a tea bag in hot water and you dunk it in there, and you kind of bounce it up and down, that's you're steeping it. You're basically getting the hot water to release everything that is inside the tea bag. And you can't do it fast or else not much comes out. And the longer you leave it in the hot water, the stronger the tea. But if you do it fast and you take it out quick, you're going to have a very weak tea. You got to do it slow. And you got to bounce it up and down. The steep means you're going to soak that tea bag. You're going to saturate it. It takes time. It doesn't happen quickly. It extracts all the flavor out of that tea bag. That's what it means to steep. You extract all the flavor. So never read the Bible with speed reading. Read it slow. Every single word. When I look at the word, why? Because the Bible says every word of God is pure. If you read it fast, it's like flying a jet over the country. You don't see much of the details. Have you ever taken a, have you ever taken a flight and you look down and you're like, oh, I wonder what city that is. And it's just lights if you fly at night. And if not, during the day, you see weird things. You don't really see it. You don't see any of the details. You're going to see a lot more if you ride in a car or a train or, instead of taking a plane. And, and if you walked through the city, you would see everything. The faster you go, the fewer the details. And if you're going too fast in life, you're missing out on the details of life. That's why your relationships are hard and other things are hard. We got to slow it down. You got to steep yourself in God's word. You see, time with God is of the essence. And you need to read your Bible every day. And if you're a student or you're an adult, you need to read it and memorize it. There's some verses that you need to put in your mind so that they're there, so that God can bring them to your mind when you're tempted or you need to answer something and you need to memorize it. The alternative to success in life is failure. You don't want to be a failure. You want to succeed in whatever area you choose to live your life. Joshua 1.8 says, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. You want to be successful and prosperous in your life? Study God's word. Continue and meditate on it day and night. That will make you wise. And with wisdom, the Bible says, comes riches, honor, and all kinds of other good stuff. When we say that word meditate, what does it mean to meditate? Most people think of the word meditate means to put everything out of your mind, put it in neutral, sit in the lotus position, contemplate the lint in your navel, and you go, oh, oh no, no, no. That's Easter meditation. <laughs> Long before Easter meditation, there, there was... Biblical meditation. Biblical meditation simply means you think about a Bible verse over and over and over in your mind. Let me take a test. Be honest here. Confession is good for the soul. How many of you know how to worry? Okay. If you denied it, you're lying to me. Everybody knows how to worry. If you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. It's that simple. Because worry is just negative meditation. When you take a fear, when you take an anxiety or take a problem and you think about it over and over and over, we call that worrying. When you take a verse of the Bible and you think about it over and over and over, we call that meditation. So it's really the 
exact same thing as worrying. It's just the subject matter is different. And by the way, you notice when you worry about something, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Starts off, one guy didn't like me and keep worrying about it. And pretty soon the whole world thinks I suck. It gets all out of proportion. And when you think about God's word steeping, it's getting every ounce of nourishment and nutrition and flavor out of that verse. I remember when I was first started off as a pastor and I had a very vocal person at church that really, their fa- this one woman in the family hate, hated me and was out to get me. And I remember going home one night thinking, everybody's out to get me. And then my wife was like, no, they're not. You're just overreacting. I was like, I'm not overreacting. Because I was thinking about it over and over again. They're just out to get me. And and then she said, who besides the person you're thinking about? And I started to go through pew by pew. Because people sat in the same pew every week. And I was like, what, did this person? No. Did this person? No. And I went through all 200 some people. And I realized there was only one person out to get me. <laughs> we worry about it and it blows up. And after that, I was like, you know what? I just don't care. <laughs> and by the way, you notice when you worry about something, it just, you get stuck and you got to get out of it. And it gets so big. You got to think about God's word and how much he loves you and his promises. And stop listening to the lies that you sometimes even tell yourself. There are lives all around you in this culture, worldview lies, culture lies, moral lies, political lies, and on and on. The world is filled with lies, things that aren't just, just aren't true. So I have to learn the truth in order to discern the lies. And the only way you're going to know what a lie is in life, what's not true, what's false, is to know the real thing. You know the U.S. Treasury Department, the way they train their agent to spot counterfeits? They don't give them counterfeit bills and say, oh, look, these are the methods that they use. No, no, no. There's a million different ways to counterfeit. And the methods methods always change, but the truth stays the same. The way they train their agents to recognize counterfeit, they give them fresh, clean, crisp ones, fives, tens, 20, 50, hundreds, and say, study these. Meditate on the real thing, and you know it. And if you know it in the details of the true American dollar, when you see a counterfeit, you'll just know it's fake. They spot it right off the bat. They they don't study the fake to know the fake. You study the real thing to know the false. You study the authentic to know the inauthentic. You study the true to know that's not right. That's false. You study what's right, what God says is right, in order to know what's wrong. The reason why so many students today and so many adults today are falling for stupid ideas in our society that happen to be popular right now is because they don't know the truth. They don't know how the what is authentic. So they can't spot a phony or a fake idea. And the more you know God's word, you go, that's clearly wrong. That's a dead end. That'll destroy your relationship. That's not going to work. You're going to end up destroying yourself on that. That's self-destructive. And the more you know the truth, the more you learn the truth, the more you'll be able to discern the lies. Psalm 119.104 says, your commandments give me great understanding. No wonder I can see and hate every false way of life. Oh, did you hear that? Your commandments or the Bible give me great understanding. It's no wonder I can see and hate every false way of life. Those of you who are students, would you like to be smarter, more insightful, wiser than your teachers? 
The Bible tells you how. As a student, you can actually have more insight than your teachers do. Psalm 119.99. I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. When I was in that biblical class, I prepared, read, and studied what the Bible more than I ever have in my life, just so I could know the truth. So when he started to spout lies, I was able to refute it. In school, for Daniel, this indoctrination program, He's got to learn all the stuff he doesn't believe in. That's okay. He's mature enough. He's 15. Oh, boy. He can ace it, right? He's mature enough. Daniel does. He's dedicated. He's diligent. He's discerning. He's disciplined. He's going to school. He's excellent. He's focused. And no matter what the professors throw at him, it's kind of like the moon of this color means this in your life. He's not anxious. He's not afraid. He's not combative. He's not cowardly. He's not backing off. He's not doubtful. Why? Because he knows God's word. And that's the key to wisdom. Spend more time in his word means you got to watch less TV or less Netflix or less YouTube or less computer. You got to have more book time in God's word and less screen time. Here's a fun stat. By the time you reach 18 years of age, if you're a typical American, you will have amassed over 30,000 hours in front of a screen. That's a video game, an iPad, a laptop, a television, a phone. Over 30,000 hours looking at the screen by the time you're 18. In contrast to that, do you know how long it takes to read through the Bible? 80 hours. People have timed it out loud at 71. By the time you get to 18, you're ready to go off to school, to college. You will have watched 30,000 hours. And yet, most of the people have not read through the Bible, which only takes 80 hours. Think about that. Proverbs 15, 14, a wise person is hungry for truth while the fool feeds on trash. Might want to put that on your computer or your TV or whatever screen you watch. Paste it right there. The fool feeds on trash. What are you feeding on? Fourth, choose believers as your best friends. The reason Daniel makes it through his three-year indoctrination program is he's not alone. He's got his three best friends who are helping him. I'm not saying not don't have unbelievers as friends. Oh, no, 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 no. you got to have them as friends. Absolutely. You should. But your best friends, the one you hang out with the most, the ones who impact your life the most, should be strong believers. Why? Because it's much easier for me to pull you up or for you to pull me down. Obviously, it's to pull someone down. There's no doubt about it. It's always easier to pull people down than to pull them up. If you want to make sure that you people you hang out with most are pulling you up, then choose believers as your best friends. 1 Corinthians 15, 33, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Who your friends are is important. The people around you matter. Four ways to make it through this test of education. Four ways. Number one, decide in advance to stand for God before making a commitment to stand with God. Do you get that? Decide in advance to stand for him no matter what. Because if you've already made the decision to let God into your heart and to believe in Jesus and what he did for you on the cross and forgiving of your sins and installing his Holy Spirit in you, if you already have that relationship, then you know what? Say, you know what? I I believe in this and I'm going to decide to stand with God no matter what. Second, never stop learning. Always learn something new because if you're not learning, you're dying. Number three, steep yourself in God's word. Meditate on his promises. And if you haven't read through the Bible, say, I got 80 hours to read through the Bible out loud. 
80 hours. Think, wow. Really? Yeah, just go download it on tape or download it on an app or something and take 80 hours and just blitz it. See what happens. You'll be amazed. You can read the whole Bible during the summer, an hour a day, or maybe even take it over the year and do a half hour a day. Fourth, have believers as your best friends so that they can build you up. Now, which one of these four do you need? Which one is kind of lacking focus on that? And you will have, you know, grab onto that one and you'll have no problem passing this test of education. Well, that's the third test that Daniel goes through. The test of education. And it's a test that we all have to go through. I hope that you were encouraged. And God bless and see you next week as we continue our on the fourth test of Daniel. Or I might give you an update on my trip. And I haven't decided on what to do with that yet. But if I give you the update on my trip before the test, before the fourth test, I think you're going to like it. It's very entertaining. I had the most interesting week of my life. Anyway, God bless, and I'll see you next pod.